Well, good morning, Connection Christian Church. I'm so excited that you, you've, you've joined us in worship today, and I'm excited to be able to share with you today. So in about the second grade, I, I developed uh, one of my very best friendships, one of my, my very first friends that I ever had. His name was Lane. And me and Lane, we, we really love to, like, create things. We like to build things, and, and, and we like to, you know, design all these dis- different contraptions and build all this stuff. And that, that was one of the things that we, we enjoyed to do as we grew up in, in middle school and, and sometimes in junior high. But So we had all these ideas, and, and we decided that we were going to start a company. We were going to start a business. And we named this business Fun Things Incorporated. And so, yeah, pretty funny. So this, this Fun Things Incorporated, what, what we did is we developed board games. And these board games, they went from anywhere from card games to games like Monopoly and, and stuff like that. Um, and then, as well as that, we also had a, a newsletter that we would, like, draw up ourselves, and we would give it out to our class, and, and that newsletter would have things in it like comics, like games, like funny stories, jokes, and sometimes we would even include homework assignments that were due. Yeah, we were pretty nerdy, but... Um, I think our greatest feat with, with Fun Things Incorporated was we actually built a website, and it's, it's not as impressive as it sounds, but we used Weebly.com, if anybody knows what that is. And I checked earlier this week, and this website still exists. It's called funthingsinc.weebly.com. So I went on there, and I was looking at stuff, and the, it, it literally transports me right back into to middle school. You know, all these crazy stuff that, that we put on there, me and Lane did. But the thing about me and Lane is that, that we cared about each other, as friends should. And, and as just little elementary school kids, there was no expectations for, for a friendship. There was, we didn't even know what a friendship or a relationship was. We just spent time with each other because we live and existed in the same space for, for several hours throughout the day. And I wonder, church, have you ever had a friend like that? Have you ever had a friend in which, you know, even after, you know, years, you can still pick up right, right where you left off? So, so just for a second, just for a second, think about that friend. Keep that, keep that friend in mind. And maybe you think of some inside jokes that you had. Maybe you think of some, some fun things that you and this friend did together. So just keep that, that person in mind for just a second. So I'm convinced that this relationship that we have with our friends, I'm convinced that this is the very same relationship that God wants to have with us. And now that sounds a, li- that sounds a little strange, that, that God would want to be friends with us. But let me explain. What I mean by being friends with God or God wanting to be friends with us is getting to know the person of God as we get to know, as we would get to know a friend, as, as, I, got to go, as I got to know Lane. We're getting to know the God in, in which we exist and getting to know the God in which we have our being. And, and now some of you might be thinking like, hold on, this God, this stoic God who, who's so far off, who, who lives far off in the heavens, he wants to have a friendship with me? He wants to have a relationship with me? Or some of you might be thinking, how could, or, or, or maybe some of you are thinking, I don't want to be friends with this God. I, I don't want to be friends with him. Look at all the things that, that he lets happen in the world. How would he want to be friends with me? Or why would I want to be friends with him? But church, here's how I know that God wants to be friends with us. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. 23. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. 
But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the, to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So church, I know that God wants a relationship with us. I know that God wants to be our friend because he came down here. Came down here in the person of Jesus. And, and church, that's what this season's about. That's what Christmas is about. That's what this Advent season is about. It's, it's getting no, the, the grace and the kindness and the love of the God who is with us. And, and not only knowing up here, but experiencing Emmanuel, experiencing God with us, getting to know Jesus, getting to know the person of God. Now, a question that comes to mind whenever I, whenever I hear stuff like this is, what does this look like? And I think the way to answer this question, we have to look back in Scripture. Because I think what we find whenever we look at Scripture is that Emmanuel is written all over Scripture. God with us is written all over Scripture. And so let's go all the way back to Genesis, the, the third chapter, and, and let's see uh, God with us there. So what we see in this chapter is God actually walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Look at Genesis 3, verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening, evening breeze, and they f hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So consider what this means for a moment. The man and his wife, he heard, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Now, I'm convinced that, that God, he was probably in the habit of spending time with his creation in the garden. And just, just imagine for just a second what that was like. Imagine for a second what it was like to be walking with the Creator, walking with the very being who willed you into existence. What do you think they talked about? Don't you want to know what they talked about? Can you imagine the, the glory and the joy? Imagine the joy and the delight that God experienced as He viewed creation through the eyes of His greatest creation, as He listened to the world through their eyes. God, he pursued a relationship with, with his greatest creation. He walked with them in the garden. He experienced the life that they experienced. But let me show you something else that I think is so amazing about God and his relationship with his creation. So after the man and his woman in the garden, after they had done what they did, traded their relationship with God for a lie, look what God does. And, and, and this is an incredible display of grace. He doesn't leave them. He, he doesn't leave them in the garden he does, he sets the ground rules for, for what happens next, but look what else he does. Genesis 3, verse 21. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. Church, consider how loving and how kind this God has to be. Even after this man and this woman betrayed him, he still clothes them. Do you see the grace in that? Do you see the grace of God in Genesis there? Even after they had done the unthinkable, God remains with them. Not only that he cares for them he, in a way that only a father or, or even a friend would, he makes clothes for them. And if that doesn't convince you, 
think about God's relationship with Abraham and Sarah. So God promises Abraham that uh, he, he will make him into a great nation. He will give him a great people, and, and from him all of God's chosen people will come. But before that happens, God promises Abraham that you're going to have a child from Sarah. Now the issue with this is that Sarah, she's 90 years old, and Abraham, he's 100 years old, and so look, look what Abraham's response is to this. Genesis 17, verse 17. Abraham, he falls face down, and he laughs. And he said to himself, Can I, can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So you see, Abraham, he thinks it's funny. He laughs. He falls down, and he laughs. And, and Abraham and God, they have this moment in, in which Abraham is amused by God and is essentially telling him, yeah, right, buddy. There's no way that this 90-year-old woman and this 100-year-old man are having a kid. It's not happening. So consider the relationship that must have been present there. Consider the relationship that must have already been established for for God and Abraham to communicate in such a way. And then we see it again in chapter 18. I won't read read it, but, but I'll explain it. So Sarah gets word that she's going to have a baby, and she's 90 years old, and, and she laughs too. She thinks it's funny. Um, she says, I'm too old for this. And God says, no, really, Sarah. You just watch. In a year's time, you're going to have a little child running around here. And she, she laughs, and God looks at Abraham and, and said, now why does she think this is funny? Why does, she think, why does she laugh just like you did? And he says, I'm serious, watch. And then Sarah tries to deny that she laughed, and, and God says, I just watched you laugh. You, you can't lie to me. You can't tell me that you didn't laugh. I, I don't know about you, but I can sense a, a lighthearted relationship there. You can experience a lighthearted friendship that present between God, Adam, and, and I mean, God, Abraham, and Sarah. And, and can you sense the way in which both God and these two are enjoying and delighting in each other's presence? Church, I don't think you can deny that there, there's an Emmanuel, God with this moment, happening right there between God, Abraham, and Sarah. Now, we know as the story goes, God's presence is with Moses, and, and God's presence is with the Israelites as they, as they move through the desert. He's with them in the, in the, in the daytime as a, as a cloud, and then he's with them in the nighttime as a pillar of fire. And throughout this whole time, throughout this whole story, over and over, God's people, God's chosen people, they continue to trade a friendship, a relationship with him for anything and everything, for, for maybe even going back to Egypt, maybe going back into slavery, that sort of thing. But God never leaves them. He's with them. He's with them in the pillar of fire. He's with them in the cloud. He's with them in the temple. He's with them in the tabernacle. He never leaves them. And then we come to this moment in history of Isaiah in which God's people, they've tragically given up a relationship with him over and over, and they're fighting against each other. The nations are fighting against each other. And seemingly out of nowhere, the prophet Isaiah, he speaks of a great hope to come. He says, hey guys, the Lord, he's going to give you a sign. And this comes from Isaiah seven fourteen. He says, the Lord, he's going to give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, she will have a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. So essentially what Isaiah is saying, he's saying, hold on guys, because there's a day coming when, when all of this unrest, all of this rebellion will come face to face with the great and mighty grace 
of God. And so then we, we fast forward about, you know, 700 years, not very long, to 700 years. And an angel appears to this young woman named Mary. And we, and we read of her story in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 32. The angel appeared to her, and the angel told her, Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you'll conceive, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So the prophecy begins to come true here. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they, they will name him Emmanuel, which translates, God is with us. So this long foretold prophecy from Isaiah all the way till now, 700 years later, of this Messiah, of this Messiah in which all of Israel, and in which all of the world, essentially, they've been waiting for, comes to be in the lowliest of places. Born to a woman in the backwoods town of Bethlehem. God himself, he steps down from his place of glory. He makes himself vulnerable to exist in the same space in which we live and have our being. Church, Jesus is, is God with us. Jesus is God with us. And we know this because Jesus claims it himself. If the prophecy isn't enough for you, Jesus claims it himself. He says in John 14, 8 through 9, Philip's questioning him, and, and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and, and that would be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I not been among you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? The one who sees me sees the Father. He's, he's telling Peter, he's saying, or Philip, he's saying, if you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father. You're looking at the face of God when you're looking at me. Church, whenever we look at Jesus, we're looking at the very face of God. Now, now think of the life of Jesus. Whenever we look at Jesus, we, we see God's character. We see God's heart. Think of his life. The way that he loved those around him so radically, the, his relationship with his disciples, the friendships that developed. I'm sure they, they laughed and they played and, and they had fun as, as well as they did their ministry. The relationships he had with, with his family, with his brothers, with his mother. And then you see the great power that he has over creation. And, and over, our, over, over the bodies of, of, of man as he heals people. He came to this earth to a man and a woman. He, he walked and he talked with them. He played with them. He wept with them. And he ate with them. It sounds a lot like the Genesis account to me. So God's been at work this whole time, all the way from the beginning, when we traded our friendship with God for, for our own benefit. He's been at work all this time to restore that relationship to us in Jesus. So how do I know that God wants a friendship with you? How do I know that God wants a relationship with you? Because the God of creation, he made himself vulnerable in the form of a, of a little baby child, most vulnerable form you can take, 
so that we might come to know that he desires our attention. Church, Emmanuel, God with us, that's an invitation for us to experience a relationship with Jesus. Emmanuel is an invitation for us to experience a relationship with Jesus. God has been at work all of this time because he desires to be in relationship with you. He desires a relationship with you, a friendship. And why, you might ask? Because the work that he has done for us through Jesus is the greatest display of his glory. And what I mean by that is whenever we are in, whenever God created us and whenever we are in relationship with him, he's glorified because he satisfies our every longing. He satisfies our every desire. Every feeling of loneliness, he satisfies. Every feeling of hunger and pain, he satisfies. And the, the author and theologian John Piper said it this way. He, he says that God is most glorified in us whenever we are most satisfied in him. And what I think he means by this is that when all of our sufficiency, all of our praise, and all of our worship is captivated by the wonder and the grace of God through the little child, Jesus, through the person, Jesus, when we enter into that relationship, God is glorified by that. And church, if I'm being honest with you, this is difficult for me to grasp. This idea of God wanting to be in a relationship with me is difficult for me to grasp. And a man much smarter than myself once told me that a relationship with God is something to be enjoyed. It's not something to be figured out. A relationship with God is something to be enjoyed, not a problem to figure out. Now, church, I'm the kind of guy who, who, who I like to have systems. I, I like to have a form and a structure for everything. I like to systemize everything and, because it makes me feel safe. Makes me feel like I'm in, I have some sort of control over this, over, over the situation. But here's what happens. As, as my ideas of who God is and, and who Jesus is and, and all, these, all these images about theology and all these things, as they circle in my mind and they consume me, Jesus, he stands right in the center of it all, extending an invitation for me to experience Emmanuel, to experience God with us. To experience the, the wonder and the majesty and the awe of a pillar of fire, of a burning bush, but also to experience the intimacy of walking day to day with the very person, the very being who willed you into existence, who willed me into existence. And church, I, I don't know, know where you are. Some of you, I know, have been friends with God for, for, for a long time, and I'm sure that's been a great delight for you. But then there's some of us that, that are still trying to figure it out. And if you're anything like me, and you're just a baby in the, in, in the Christian faith. You're just a baby in, in understanding being a relationship with God. But here's what I do know. I do know that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is here. He's inviting you to experience the greatest relationship that you've ever experienced in your life, similar to a friendship, but, but greater than a friendship in so many different ways. He's inviting you 
to be in relationship with himself. And it all starts with the baby, Jesus. So I don't know where you're at, but, but, but a good place to start in, 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 this, in this walk with, with the Lord, in this walk with Jesus, is just read the Gospels. Read the Gospel account of Jesus' life and imagine yourself in there with him. Imagine experiencing Jesus and imagine him speaking to you as he spoke to all the people that he healed, all the relationships that he had. Because church, I, I can guarantee you that the relationship that you'll find with God, that you'll find with Jesus, is far greater than any relationship that you'll ever experience on this earth. Pray with me. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your son, God. Give us the grace to, to treasure your son, Jesus, in a way that we haven't before, God. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to step out in faith, to, to, to do something maybe different in our faith, to get to know you better, Father. And God, God I thank you so much for, for the way that you, you've blessed us, for the, for the way that you've, you've poured yourself out. God, the way that you've came to us in the form of this, this child, and you've given us this example of what it means to live a life with you, God. God, I pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.